This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to our Monday, March 2nd, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And, you know, normally I would say the first two months have gone by fast. We're into the third month of the year so soon. I'm not going to say that this time. It's been a long two months of 2020. And,. As always, we've talked about for pretty much the last month, coronavirus continues to be the threat that continues to impact markets. And there's a lot of uncertainty around it and uncertainty around the calculations of what this means for markets. uh, What are the odds of spreading and how far and wide and what will be the human impact? Uh, But I'll continue to say that I think the economic impact will be much bigger than the personal or human impact because people are freaking out in some senses, uh, right? And over the past week, we've had a great deal of volatility because of that freak out. Now, our goal here is to help you develop strategies that will help you deal with this level of volatility so you can be prepared so the last week or two doesn't sneak up on you and your portfolio. Did you get a bit of fear creeping into your consciousness last week? Or were you calm, cool, and collected? Did you look at your portfolio and start getting sweaty palms because of the drop in the value of your account? Well, the answer is if you did, then you should be reassessing the mix of your portfolio, the strategy you're deploying, right? Because last week was not crazy. It was, not a, it was a lot of volatility, but it wasn't unprecedented. Uh, it wasn't, you know, yes, it was rather quick, but 10, 15% drop in markets over a short period of time are not unusual. So our goal is to help you understand what strategies are right for you, what decisions are best to help you reach your goal of financial freedom. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you'll call me in this hour and through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast. I can help you become a better investor. And one way Steve Peasley and I are able to do this is by implementing a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We're not going to pair it the exact same things that you're going to see on the news. It's not helping anybody. What we are going to do is give you some context that makes sense, that is actionable, that you can use to play in your investment decision process. And guess what? We shouldn't be the only source of information, of perspective that you should get. It's about weighing all the pros, all the cons, each side of the argument against what you think is reality and what you think your ultimate goals are. 
So we are different from other investment advisors in that way is that we are dedicated to unbiased guidance and we only recommend strategies that we implement for ourselves as well. Call it parallel investing. So that's how we work at KPP Financial and here on InvestTalk. Now that I've set things up, I'm here and ready to answer your investing and finance questions at 888-99-CHART. It's our anytime listener line. It is open right now. So we're taking your calls live. Once again, that's 888-992-4278. Now let me remind you, San Jose, California, will be traveling there on March 20th to meet with registered listeners who understand the value of a no-cost, no-obligation portfolio review. Now, I have two slots left, only two. And it's only the second. So I'm sure I'll fill that up over the next 18 days. So if you want to meet with me, just head over to investtalk.com, click on portfolio review and fill it out and we will get back to you. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that could buying the current dip be risky for investors. Obviously, since the financial crisis, the Fed put has conditioned people to buy the dip. And the big question is, will that work once again? We're going to talk about that also. Robinhood, Robinhood, the broker, commission-free broker, had a big outage today. That means a lot of those investors were out in the cold after one of the biggest updates in Dow history. And they couldn't buy. So what does this tell you? We're going to get to that. Also, co-working spaces. Talking about WeWork, right? And I'm going to give you a sense of what I think is happening in the market, what long-term the trend of office space will be, and maybe the type of companies that will benefit from the change in you know, long-term to short-term leases. And then lastly, fixing Social Security. What are the best ways to do that if we have time to get to that? But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through. Let's talk a little bit about the market today. You had the Qs up about four and a half. S&P was up three and three quarters. What was interesting today was the Dow was up about 1,300 points, and that was the leader. Remember, when the Dow leads up, that's not the greatest thing, right? When it leads down, that's actually fairly bullish, means more people are taking more risk and buying on those dips in NASDAQ, S&P, small caps, etc. But this rebound was driven by utilities and the Dow. Uh, healthcare was stronger than the S&P overall. A lot of the safer areas of the market did better. Now, part of that is because there's now an expectation of a 50 basis point cut from the Fed this month. Some thought it would come today, Maybe it comes this week, but markets are pricing in a 50, per, 50 basis point drop in rates by the Fed meeting later this month. I believe it's 21st, 22nd, something like that. And what did that do? That drove bond yields down and typically Dow holds a lot of bond proxies, your utilities, consumer staples, etc. And so... That's what you had today. So I do think we're going to have a near-term balance because of Fed, central bank stimulus. But the big question is, will the coronavirus last or the impact last longer than just a few weeks? And I think so. 
Let's get to Shane in Georgia. And he wants to talk about investing in his portfolio. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Doing well. What are you, uh, what are you trying to consider? Hey, so um, I actually was one of the rare people that during the, the downturn last week, um, I was able to uh, – I, I heavily invested into VIR Biotech. Um, and that turned out pretty well for me. Um, I went ahead and sold before it went back down. But so now that I've gotten a little bit more capital, uh, I'm young. And so I'm trying to build a, a portfolio and start, you know, really setting up for my later on retirement. Is it better now that I've made that money off that company to keep kind of doing some aggressive things to get a higher portfolio? Um, or, you know, should I go ahead and take some of that money and throw it into, while the Dow is down, throw it into the, the Coca-Colas, the Disneys, the, the, the bigger companies like that, that I know will be around for 30 years? Well, w- you're talking to somebody who's been taught and mentored by people that are relatively conservative on average. So I'll, 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 I'll preface with that. Uh, investing aggressively is difficult. You hit a, a nice jackpot or, or a nice gain, it sounds like, on VIR. Uh, but those are much harder to find than, than usual, right? Um, they're, they're mo- more times than not, you lose a large chunk because of that aggressiveness, Right, you can, you know, those those ten, twelve baggers. Those are the ones that really drive your portfolio returns long term, and you can get those on high risk names. But you're more likely to get those over time by investing in, like you said, more consistent businesses that have long term track records, long term consistent dividends. And so that's our strategy for clients: is tends to be those bigger, bigger names, more maybe mid cap. Doesn't have to be the large cap names, but I would be looking for names that have dividend growth, not just big and recognizable and pays a dividend. You want to look for companies that may pay a dividend, but if it's only half a percent or 1%, 1.5%, not a big deal. What needs to happen is consistent track record of raising that dividend and strong profitability each and every year. doesn't need to be a fast grower, just growing some uh, and growing that dividend. So those are the names that, that we like that, that I would say uh, I would start to diversify into, uh, and you're going to have a much better chance of building wealth, building yourself towards that financial freedom goal than you will if you're trying to keep hitting home runs because mo- more times than not, you're going to strike out. Thanks for the call, Shane. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday, and it broadcasts and streams live in the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour. Whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to contact myself or Steve Peasley at our KP Financial Office. Our line there is 800-557-5461, or you can call our anytime line right now and ask your question live at 888-99-CHART. It's Monday, and the market has been exhibiting plenty of volatility over the past week. You've got finance and investing questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's ready to talk with you now. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Eric in Union City, asking about his 401k. Hi, Justin. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I can. All right. Um, so my question is, I have a old 401k. It doesn't mm-hmm. really bring me much of a return since it's sitting in a index fund, which was uh, probably the best option I had in the plan. But I don't know mm-hmm. where to move it to, um, okay. whether it be uh, opening up a IRA. I don't know if I can move it mm-hmm. into my Roth IRA or into my regular brokerage account. No, you. So if you could move it into your uh, your, your Roth IRA, uh, but you're going to be taxed on that money, right? So the four hundred one k, you have not been taxed on it. Uh, if you put it into your brokerage account, that's going to be a distribution. You're going to be taxed on it. You want to roll that into an IRA. You never want to roll it into your old to the new four hundred one k or new retirement plan uh, because you're going to be limited in your options. It's very rare that that's a good idea. So the most sense it makes is to roll that into a regular, or sorry, rollover. IRA could be at Schwab, it could be at TD Ameritrade, it could be at Fidelity. I would use one of the big brokers we use for our clients, TD Ameritrade. Uh, and then you'll have whatever options you want. You can buy ETFs, you can buy mutual funds, you can buy stocks, you can buy bonds, whatever you want. We manage these types of accounts all the time. So if you want us to manage the account, you can always give us a call and we can talk about that. Um, but that's what I would do with it. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely roll that into uh, an IRA. And then you can like I said, do whatever you want with it. Make sense? And yeah, makes sense. Is there any penalty for that since it's a retirement no, no, account? It's, or is- nope, nope. It's it's the same thing. You have to put it, if you take it out of the 401k, you have 60 days to get it into an IRA. Uh, how, how we do is we have uh, our clients um, have them make a check out to TD Ameritrade Clearing for benefit for benefit of their name, and then that deposits to their new account at TD Ameritrade, uh, rollover IRA, and that's how it works. It's pretty simple, um, but that's the way we work for our clients, and it would be something probably similar for uh, whatever broker you go with. Thanks for the call, Eric. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you probably heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. And these are the type of markets that it can be important. It's the first step to building an appropriate investment strategy for your particular goals and making sure you're in your comfort zone. So you're not panicking in and out of the market. You have a strategy that works for you. So head over to investtalk.com and take the risk lies risk questionnaire. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about uh, 30 minutes left in the show, so it goes by fast. So give me a call if you have any questions. Let's do a quick coronavirus update. We are now north of 90,000 confirmed cases throughout the world. 
were easily over 100,000 because you know China is not giving you real numbers. And I think some other countries uh, possibly are, aren't giving you uh, correct numbers either. South Korea has 4,300 cases. Italy is now over 2,000. Iran over 1,500. And we just hit the 100 mark here in the United States. And I guarantee you there's a lot, lot more because uh, we're not really testing for it yet. We're just starting to roll out the tests. And I think you're going to start to see a pickup. Uh, but you've seen uh, a clear breakout of this virus in the north, eat northwest, excuse me, uh, in Washington. You have uh, what six deaths there uh, now. So it, it, it's like so far, it's going to continue continue to spread. It's not as big of a deal as people are making out to be, or what the media is making out to be, uh, because once again, the vast majority, ninety-eight plus percentage of people. Uh, that get it are going to be just fine, especially if you're in uh, decent health. So not really too much to worry about. What I worry about actually are like nursing homes, areas where there are groups of weaker immune people, right? Uh, and, and that's what I'm, I'm most uh, worried about. Now, the biggest fallout here will be economic. You've already seen many conferences uh, being closed. Uh, NBA is talking with the CDC. Maybe they potentially have played games with no people in the arena or they postpone games, uh, etc. So there's definitely some there's definitely some ramifications economically that I think are going to persist. Now, the Fed is going to come out strong and cut rates this month, uh, probably 50 basis points, maybe more by the end of the summer. I could see us being back to zero interest rate policy by the end of the summer because of the wide-ranging impacts of this on economic activity and hiring. Think of hiring. You can hire more workers to get even more people into your office that could potentially spread it, uh, and you don't know the full ramifications of this for probably many months. So it's likely to be a very drawn-out process economically and from a, a containment standpoint. It's think it's it's not containable anymore it really isn't you just it's too contagious it's widespread but it's not that deadly it's not as deadly as people are making it out to be so uh but the, the fallout economically will i think continue for many many months and that's the big question can the fed stimulus central bank stimulus fight the drag that this is going to have on the economy over the next Three months, six months could be a year plus, right? Until we get a vaccine, or uh, you know, it'll likely will ebb in the summer. Probably come back stronger in the winter uh, once again, and you know, maybe we build up immunity, just like we build up immunity to the four other coronaviruses that we pass along and have been passing along between humans for decades now. The big question is, will this? Uh, Will we, will we find a vaccine eventually, I think, is the bigger question. Now, let's keep moving. Here comes another caller question at 888 chart Steve and Justin, thanks for uh, taking my call, um, and thanks for the knowledge that you guys are imparting on the best talk. Um, I did have a question about Oxford Lane Capital Corporation, OXLC. A friend of mine was talking to me about this, uh, this particular company here, and I've been trying to do some research on it. And I uh, wanted to get your take on it. Pretty nice dividend. And so thinking about taking a position in this. So again, OXLC. Thanks. All right. So this is a fund. This is not a company. Let me get a little more information on this. Uh, so OXLC, it pays about 20%. Now, I'm going to 
go back to what I said, maybe what was that? A week ago, two weeks ago, we talked about dividend investing. And the worst way to be a dividend investor is to focus on the dividend. The bottom line. Uh, And what this does is it invests in very, very risky debt. And on top of that, it employs leverage to get this level of yield. Right? And this has been a consistent downtrend. And yes, it pays a 20% dividend, but you're losing capital all along the way. Right? So if you go back to a monthly chart here, when it came out public, it was at about $20 a share. Now we're at $8 a share. And that was, let's see, nine years ago. So, you know, you're getting that dividend, but you're losing capital along the way. Now, the full spectrum, you're probably doing decent, um, but this is a name that will blow up, right? When you get into a recession, they're investing in collateralized loan obligations. Does that sound familiar from the financial crisis? I hope it does because a lot of those blew up. And not to say that this is a terrible fund, but you are looking at something that's extremely high risk. When you're getting 20% dividend, you are investing in something that's high risk no matter what. Okay, They invest in uh, CLOs exposed to real estate, mortgage loans, pools, pools of consumer debt, credit card receivables, auto loans. We know how bad the auto loan industry has been recently and the default rates are rising. So I would absolutely stay clear of this, especially how late we are in the economic cycle, how this coronavirus affects us going into recession, which personally I think it will. Uh, It's just a matter of which quarter we hit it. Uh, And so I would absolutely stay away from Oxford Lane Capital, OXLC. On the next Invest Talk, this opinion. Coronavirus outbreak is the biggest danger for the global economy since the financial crisis of 2008. Numbers are elusive. But if it goes to zero, do you lose all your money? They're always changing. As you know, Apple is all-time high again. Invest Talk listeners know it's all about the numbers. I'm 82. I'm interested in knowing what the recommended withdrawal rate would be. So the questions keep coming. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm question regarding real estate. Everything counts. Jason, El Segundo, how you doing? Let's go to Michael in Fremont looking at Occidental Petroleum. And here's an interesting number. Downloads for the Invest Talk podcast now average 450000 each month. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, thank you for your continued support. I really appreciate your insight and your understanding of the market and financial business. Since it all started, the total number of InvestTalk downloads has now exceeded 20 million. InvestTalk.com InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where InvestTalk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Hey guys, my name is Ezekiel from New Jersey. I had a question about the platform that I'm using, which is Robinhood. And I see they have the analysis where they tell you to buy, hold, or sell. And I was wondering how much can we rely on these things and should we be buying now that the market is down? Pretty much it. Thank you for everything you guys do. Really appreciate your program. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 
Well, first off, don't ever rely just on some computer algorithm of whether to buy or sell that's on the app. It's Could you use it as part of the process? Absolutely. But once again, I always say this. You're never buying or selling any one investment based on one thing, one recommendation, one uh, aspect of their business, anything like that. It's multitude of factors, pros and cons, okay? Just because the Robinhood app tells you to buy it doesn't mean you should buy it, okay? What is that based on? Is it earnings? Is it momentum of the stock? Is it uh, long-term profitability? Is it uh, dividend growth? What is it? And it should be multiple factors, okay? So first off, don't rely on that. Second off, this segues nicely into one of my talking points today, and that is the outage technical problems with the Robinhood app today. And you're going to love why they had technical problems. From what it looks like and what I'm seeing, they didn't code for Leap Day. So they thought today was March 3rd. It is not. It's March 2nd. And that's why it had major problems. And a lot of Robinhood investors, sounds like all of them, could not buy in the midst of a 1,300-point rally on the Dow, which is the most ever in a single session. Now, this leads me back to kind of what I was saying for a little while. Robinhood led with zero commissions. They got a lot of users, a lot of accounts. But as of a few months ago, you now have Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, which will likely become Charles Schwab, right? Because they're they're in agreement to buy TD Ameritrade. Fidelity. All of these brokers, large, reputable brokers with way more, way more research and support and technology than Robinhood. They're all commission-free. So why would anyone keep their money at Robinhood? You're going to get far more in security, in research, in technology with a Charles Schwab, a TD Ameritrade, a Fidelity than you will at Robinhood. And you're not having these outage problems. This is a good example of why you should not be keeping your money there. Now, before you had a small dollar amount, you didn't want to pay the $5 a trade at Fidelity or whatever. I get it. But that's no longer the case. So I see almost no reason why anybody should keep their account at, t- at uh, Robinhood anymore. Go with one of the bigger, safer brokers. Let's go to BJ in Fremont. He's asking about IBM. Hi, Justin. Yeah. Uh, is it a good time to pick up IBM? I want to buy some. I already have some. Okay. I wanted to buy some mm-hmm. more. What's your advice? What? Uh, why do you want IBM? What's your reason for owning it or possibly buying more? Uh, two reasons. Uh, last three quarters, they beat the earnings the expectation. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, in addition, the dividend looks very attractive at this point. Okay. So it does pay uh, close to a 5% dividend right now. Payout ratio is 60%. The cash dividend payout ratio is only 48%. So those are sustainable numbers. Uh, they do have a decent amount of debt in their balance sheet. 
I'd like to see what that trend looks like because I, I, I want them to deleverage uh, with their cash flow. Uh, and it looks like they're starting to do that over the past few quarters, which is good. Uh, Long-term profitability is still pretty strong. I wouldn't say it's cheap though here. Um, that's my biggest issue. It's not cheap. And the main reason is because it still has very modest growth, if not negative growth, right? Uh, revenue for the five quarters before the last one shrank every quarter. Uh, now, last quarter it was flat 0%, but earnings were down 3%. Uh, earnings only supposed to be up 4% this year, 6% next year. So it's a very low growth business, and that's why it's valued at such low multiples. So until they can get their business reaccelerating, you know, I don't love it. I think it's okay. It's it's not bad at these levels, but it's not a bargain either. Um, so I, I would be a little more patient because I do think you're going to need even better buying opportunity later this year, maybe in 2021. So I'd be a little more patient with IBM. I'd want it back down to where you saw it uh, in 2018, which was at about, let's see, you got a weekly chart here. 110 bucks. That's where I would say, okay, this is this is a good value here. Um, right now, it's about at value, and so that's why I would be a little more patient on it. I do think near term, it's bull, I'm bullish on it, just with the same with the overall market. But I would wait for a better buying opportunity. Thanks for the call, BJ. Let's go to Grant in Wisconsin. Let's talk about airline stocks. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, are you looking to buy some airline stocks? Do you own them? I don't own them. I was looking to buy, and I saw that they got pretty beat up, especially American Airlines. And I was curious um, what your thought on that was, given the circumstances right now with the coronavirus. Well, I'll say this. I don't love airline stocks in general, kind of, I don't say ever, but long term. Uh, why? Because it's kind of a commodity business, right? They tend to be what would be considered a price taker. Now, there's been a lot of consolidation in the industry, and there's certainly been some uh, some improvements on that, where it's not quite as competitive as it was before. But these things kind of ebb and flow, uh, where you have a lot of profits, more players come in, they kind of squeeze other players, become more competitive, and you have you have bankruptcies and you have companies that are struggling, right? Uh, and that's kind of the ebb and flow long-term of the airline industry. So I don't love the airline industry it, it, for that reason. Now, are there a few select names? Sure, United's probably not one of them. I can't really tell you which ones. There's one that we like as a firm, uh, and that's about it. And so, you know, I, I don't think that's the sector that I get the most excited about uh, in this market. Uh, it's... There are values, uh, but they're very few and far between. And long-term, it's really hard to make consistent profits in the airline industry. Thanks for the call, Grant. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that could buying the dip be risky for investors? Well, we all know that when you invest in the market, whether you're buying on a dip or not, you're taking a good amount of risk. And for the past 10, 11 years, 12 years, investors have been conditioned to buy the dip, right? The Fed put whenever the market goes down, you have some economic weakness, the Fed, the central banks are going to come in and save the day. 
here's the problem though. This is a little bit different. Now it may not be. This may be a short-term issue. But if this drags out, this is not something that the central banks can solve, right? Cheaper money does not force people to go out there and travel and go to big events and hire workers when people are worried about this coronavirus and the spreading of it and getting it, right? So that's what I think why the, the, the violent reaction of the market last week, part of that is market structure and the fact that everybody's indexing and, uh, you know, there's uh, electronic trading that pushes the market dramatically in one way or the other in a fast way. So that's part of the issue. But it's also because this is the first big economic event that suddenly central banks can't solve, or at least they yeah, they can't remedy it. They can help it. They can juice it a little bit. And I think we're going to get a juicing of the market right now. But the big question is longer term. And I was saying long, not longer term, medium term, right? Six months, a year, which is medium term. What does the economy look like? What is the drag from all of these supply chain disruptions? Lack of demand for travel, work conferences, So the, the, those economic impacts are something that no ZERP, zero interest rate policy, can really solve. And then what happens when you start to mean revert, right? We've been, we've been, central banks have been juicing the market so hard for so long that we're well above the longer term mean of the market. And this is what could create a reversion to the mean. Now, on top of that, you have strength in the dollar, which certainly is going to be a net negative for uh, the global economy. It tightens financial conditions overall in a time when investors are more apt to hold on to their money than to put their money out in the risk market. And I think that could confound the problem and make it much worse. So you certainly need to Continue to monitor. This is going to be by far the story of 2020. It's going to be the most important economic factor of how people react to this. And so far, I think we're continuing to trend towards a reaction globally that will absolutely put us in a recession. But that could change depending on how this is handled. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. We keep download statistics, and we know that in January and February, for example, we had monthly totals over half a million downloads. We're approaching 20,000 20, downloads each and every day. So, Stephen, I thank you for that. For now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, And with the market volatility, you've got to be sure that your portfolio assets are properly balanced. And on March 20th, Justin Klein will be traveling to San Jose, California to meet with registered listeners to provide no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review consultations. March 20th, San Jose. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com.
go to Kevin in Philadelphia. He's looking at Valero Energy Corporation. How you doing, Justin? I uh, doing great. You looking to buy Valero? You're saying about your about your downloads. Uh, mm-hmm. I live all the way over the other side of the country, and thanks to podcast, I can listen to you guys. And uh, you got a great show. So um, appreciate it. Yeah, Glad I was wondering listen. if you could help me with Valero. Uh, would it be a good time for me? Uh, to buy it? Well, it, it is near some very good long-term support, which is the 100-month moving average and also around the highs from 2007. And typically, when you break out and retest previous highs, that tends to be some pretty good support. So I do think you're near some some good support. Now, much, much bigger support would be down around 50 uh, but I do think there's pretty good support at these levels. And from a valuation standpoint, you're at an enterprise value to EBIT of five and a half, which is pretty cheap. Now, there will be some economic fallout or with uh, car usage because less people are going to maybe be traveling uh, for various reasons, for various functions, that type of thing. But we'll eventually return to normal operations for the country. And that might be six months from now, three months from now, might be two, three years from now, but we're definitely going to return to normal operation at some point. And I do think this is a pretty good value at these levels. So I like what you're looking at. You're probably interested in that nice five and a half percent dividend, correct? I know. That's, that's, I really like that. So in their payout ratios, not too bad. It's 67. But, uh, I, you know, I'm yeah, that's not, that's I, not, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's sixty one point six. Their pay ratio, cash dividend pay ratio is forty two. A decent amount of debt, but not not too much. Uh, so I like what you're looking at. The long term consistency of their business. Uh, they're a refiner, one of the biggest refiners uh, in, in in the country, and they produce consistent positive free cash flow. And I like that. So I like what you're looking at with Valero. It's still high risk. Uh, but it's near some longer term support, uh, and you know could go down to fifty. But I still like it at these levels around sixty seven. Okay, all thanks right. For the call. Well, thanks. that's good. Thanks for the call. I, I, I'm thanks thinking for the call. about getting it, and I appreciate your help. All I right, really do. No problem. Let's go to Robert in Vancouver. He wants to talk about the market. Hi. So, with the OPEC plus meeting happening next, I think this coming tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the entire oil and gas sector now? Because they're talking about like now Russia and Saudi Arabia looking to do production cuts. And I know Saudi Arabia wants to do about a million. Russia, I don't know what they want to do, but they're speculating maybe at least a half a million barrels a day left. You think that's going to, it's going to finally uptick the, the oil and gas prices. And then if that happens, I mean, would, Occidental Petroleum, I think they got like now a 10% dividend. Would that be a good mm-hmm. price point to get into at this? Because it's been like hitting support right around 32. Yeah. Well, Robert, um, I just looked at the clock and I'm going to have to answer your question right after the break. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every day on Invest Talk and to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart.
On the next Invest Talk, is the coronavirus outbreak the biggest danger for the global economy since the financial crisis of 2008? Some analysts are predicting that the downside risk scenario will be sharper and more prolonged. That story tomorrow. But now the Anytime Listener lines are open. Justin Klein is here and he's ready for your questions. Call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. Now let's finish up with Robert, who is in Vancouver, and he was asking about the oil market and the potential for the OPEC meeting coming up to be a catalyst for a rebound in the oil market. And I actually think that's true. There's so much pessimism around the oil market and uh, oversupply and now demand destruction because of the coronavirus that there could be some uh, a larger cuts. Uh, I think they're certainly going to want the price to get back above uh, 55, 60, you know, into the $60 a barrel range just to sustain their budgets and, and get themselves into a better financial situation uh, as, as an OPEC group. And so I think they're, they're going to be incentivized to do that. Now, it's always difficult to get them to stick to it, but at least the announcement could v- very well be a catalyst for that. And you asked, 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 about, asked about Occidental Petroleum. And I do think there is great value here. Now, not because of the dividend, uh, but because of the strength of their assets and the fact that their earnings are, are expected to rebound uh, next year. And I think there's a, a, a lot of potential for that. Now, natural gas prices being a record low certainly has been a drag. But I, I, like, uh, I like the oil market in general, at least in the, in the short term. Uh, and I do think that could be a catalyst. So thanks for the call, Robert. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta looking at DIV, which looks to be a dividend ETF. Yes, um, I like the dividend there, and it looked like a safe play. I was waiting for it to bounce to about 2120, uh, somewhere around that range. I was wondering if this is a good time to buy. All right, this is an ETF seeking investment results corresponding to the Super Dividend US Low Volatility Index. This is interesting because it does yield about 9.3%. But once again, I would not be relying on this for the dividend. Uh, I would, d- dividend investing isn't about just looking at that dividend rate, which looks about, depends on you look at 9.3 or 8.7. Uh, this has been a consistent downtrend, even though the overall market's uh, been fairly strong. And this had a much bigger dip uh, than the overall market. So I don't see this as low volatility. Uh, I, I don't trust the this this dividend long term. They look like they employ some sort of leverage. How do they get that nine percent? That's the big question: is how do they get that nine percent? And typically, when they do that, you're you're applying, employing some leverage. So I don't like that. I don't I don't like that at all. I would certainly pass on this. This would not be a name that I'm look or this is not be this will not be a type of holding that I would want as a safe dividend play. This is actually very high risk, and you can see that from the recent drop in the overall market. This went from a high of 24 in January, February, hit a low of 20. So it went down about 20% in the span of a month. That's not low risk, uh, and I don't trust that dividend. So I would absolutely pass on DIB. Thanks for the call, Vitaly. 888 99 chart, 888 I want to close with 
what I think is a, a misnomer about co-working spaces. Uh, you know, WeWork and the failed IPO, and I don't think WeWork is uh, a very well-run company, at least uh, under Adam Newman. Maybe uh, the, the changes with uh, leadership will put it into a better financial situation. Um, but I do think this is a trend long-term. Uh, a lot of businesses and individuals are looking for flexible office situations. And the fact that the gig economy and the pace of disruption is changing the way that we work. And this is all derived from the digital revolution. And what this means is that the commercial real estate market or the office real estate market is going to be changed by users' appetite for major flexibility. And I think the this is going to continue to grow, the co-working space, and it's going to be a fixture of the market because it it does create a lot of benefits if for the right type of people right type of companies and so while i don't think we work is going to be the long-term best investment you know i think they'll eventually go public or something but i do think there are some names a lot of brokers because there'll be more turnover of properties than before and therefore more commissions to be had. So I like a lot of the brokers in the commercial real estate space long-term, maybe not near-term, but long-term. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Thursday. Steve Peasley will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.